You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hey, hey. Greg Hectus. What up, guys? Hey, Brian McCubbin. Happy Thursday, everyone. Hey, Adam Jocelyn. Of course, I stumbled myself into. Welcome, Brad Wren. Hey, everyone. And John Curley. Hey, iRacers. On the show today, we'll take a look at how many tracks are missing from iRacing. Discuss the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Media Day. 2024 season two builds confirmed and rumored content and has a possible cheater been exposed? That's right, guys. And if you follow us on irishersland.com and select show notes, you will be able to see all these great stories and products we'll be discussing today by going to irishersland.com and selecting show notes. So log in and we'll see you there. With a, a letter, we're going to jump right to the mailbag. That's right. We got a letter from listener Heath Rop about a, a, a short movie review for The Sim Racer. I've been meaning to watch this on Tubi. It's literally on my list to do, and I just keep putting it off because I've been watching Netflix. But anyway, I'm going to read uh, Heath's little movie review in case you guys are like me and haven't had time to watch it. So here it is. If you got an hour to spare with a runtime of 107, buckle up for a cheesy yet entertaining ride. This film promises thrills, spills, and a cameo by iRacing's Evan Pasoko and Jeff McConey. And kudos for the tip about it being available for free on Tubi. My quick synopsis. Sim racing Luke Wallace is caught in a streak of bad luck. He's fallen behind on his mortgage. His girlfriend dumped him for being too nice, and his bartender buddy Earl is hell-bent on turning him into an ass man given Earl's unique affinity for feet. Desperate to save his home, Wallace throws himself into qualifying for the World 500 late model race, where the grand prize is the hefty 20000 However, his hesitance stems from his reliance on fixed setups and a looming threat of his rival Shooter Jones, who's notorious for employing underhanded tactics like the infamous Arca Break to wipe out the competition. I didn't hear anything about sim racing. <laughs> it sounds like a racing movie, but okay. Thanks, Heath. I'll, I'm still going to keep it on the list and try to watch it. Well, you mentioned fixed setups, you know, and I don't, they don't do that in most real racing unless it's something like um, IROC. Caught something about feet. Yeah, I was just wondering if, if Earl is uh, uniquely, uh, uh, has a unique affinity for feet, why is he called an ass man? The whole review didn't he, make a whole lot of sense to me, to be honest. Is Heath reading into the situation a little bit too much or? Perhaps we need to watch it before next week and give an honest review. Mike's gonna have to stop watching Denny Hamlin on the, the Netflix show. He's real. He's got it on repeat. I think. Bromance. I like the Joey Legato parts. 
Oh, God, don't start. Now we're going to have to listen to Tony go all about that tomorrow. It'll be if Joey's in it, it'll be Tony's favorite movie. Oh, it is already. Didn't you already say he liked the one episode that included uh, Joey? Oh, okay. Yeah. I I thought it was it's it's Denny Hamlin's show and NASCAR, some NASCAR racing. So while we're talking about the NASCAR on Netflix, there is something in our script about William Byron's uh, introduction on that show. And they talked about his history and they gave a good, you know, three or four minutes talking about iRacing and him, you know, getting involved in iRacing early. He would come home from school and jump right on it uh, through the evening. But then there was a problem with his parents uh, concerned about grades. And as long as he kept his grades up, they would let him do it. And then it wasn't long until he got involved in go-karts and other stuff and got in real racing. Well, I watched the first two episodes and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, something I think we're getting ready to enjoy pretty soon is the new models of the um, iRacing's NASCAR cup car level. Um, and they've that's what they've released. There's been artwork updates applied for the 2024 cup season. And um, I know that it's messed up all the old paints, according, especially on the Toyota and the Ford. Like the things just don't line up in the right places. Um, and as I was working on my paint, uh, for the NIS season, I noticed I had to do uh, some some weird distortions to logos if they were on the front of the hood to make them actually look straight. Uh, so they they have a they definitely have a different shape in the front. And that's in the uh, Chevrolet, which I didn't think really got much of a change at all. I noticed it though as soon as because I threw my mine is going to have that IRL, IRLP right on the front at the at the very front. So that it's not in the cowl area, and um, yeah, it looked like a frowny face. It was it was just weird how it shaped. And so Bobby Jonas from Simraps has been very busy since uh, this update, and uh, he delivered my paint uh, just in time for Wednesday night's race. Um, it looks good. I'm very happy uh, for my new 2024 season NASCAR season paint. It looks um, kind of a modern look take on the on the car I ran last season is the way I would call it. I'm very pleased with it. So the one thing about the Toyota, though, that threw me off as I examined these new cars, when you look at the headlights, it's almost like I feel like there's a piece of bodywork that covers part of the headlight is almost what I see. But it, it, it's a little bit of a, I don't know, it's, it, it just looks different. Well, I think it would look better if there was something connecting the lights. It's just a little odd to me compared to last year. I don't know. It's a little different up front. Yeah, that's where the changes are. So does this mean that if we use trading paints, for example, for a cup car, we're gonna we can't use those anymore. We got to get new ones, or uh, can we use the old ones? Most of the old ones will be broken. Yep. I actually, I wasn't paying attention and I just finished painting the car like a week and a half before this, I heard this was coming out and uh, yeah, I'd do it all over again pretty much. Well, I think we're all a little surprised that this was dropped before the, the, uh, the 24. I mean, myself, I was expecting this this week, not last week. Well, it was dropped after the iRacing 24. So um, it looks like there's going to be a dirt, uh, track being dropped sometime soon, Brian. We have a teaser screenshot. 
Yeah, um, so iRacing, uh, this is actually kind of interesting because uh, iRacing tweeted out or X'd out uh, just a, a, a picture of a small portion of a turn on a dirt track race. Um, you know, it's it's completely indistingu- indistinguishable. There's no way to determine from this picture unless you're really familiar with whatever track this is going to be, what it is. So, um, yeah, there was a Twitter link, and I logged on it, and this page is not on Twitter anymore. So, for whatever reason, iRacing has removed this page because I wanted to see some of the replies and see if somebody had some guesses or anything like that. But there's nothing uh, that's kind of weird that they they pulled this off. Unless unless I'm no, making no, it's, some mistake. It still works. Click on the actual picture, and then it opens a new link. And I do see. I'm looking through the replies. Nobody knows what it is. Um, it's it's just not enough information. It's it's too too small. All right, more to come. Yeah, I still cannot get that to work. Maybe it's me. Right. So we know the Coca Cola series is coming up soon and they had their media day mike yep um they have the 15th season coming and they had the media day they do piggyback along with nascar's media day um they have the drivers show up in charlotte and get their pictures and you know have them pose and do different things so they have video to work with basically um it's pretty cool uh you know get to see the each other in person before the season and uh, maybe see some old friends that you've raced before. Um, so it looks like they had a good time. Uh, and then one of the drivers actually put up a video uh, of his day, uh, Briar LaPrade, uh, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and kind of what you know he went through as he went through it. So it was kind of neat to see. Then Ray Alpala is back. That, that's going to be fun. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty neat that if you've watched, you know, any of the intros that you'll see all year long from Fox or, or NBC, you know, very similar footage done of the uh, the NASCAR guys. So I think it's pretty neat to see them given, you know, very similar. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Support. Yeah, support. There you go. Uh, you know, so again, I think it's that's pretty cool. And it, it was a good video with with Briar LaPride. Um, just pretty neat to see his how his day went. Look, when you know this, the Coke um, sponsorship came in when the peak left, peak antifreeze, and all that money, you know, for that big pool came in. There was a lot of real dirt racers that weren't happy. You know, like how do these sim racers playing video games, you know, get all this money and exposure and support from NASCAR, you know, and all this stuff, you know, and and we're struggling just to get from race to race. You know, I I remember the uproar, but what, you know, the answer is this is NASCAR, you know, they've embraced it. It, you know, it's part, it's part of the uh, community, you know, how, how cool must this be if, like, you're just getting in there for the first time? It's your first year making Coke. You know, I'm sure you're really excited after you qualified through um, through the qualification uh, series. And then, you know, but this has got to be getting awful real at this point when you're actually going to these places and meeting cool people. It's got to be really exciting for these guys. All right. Well, the next item, I don't think we should dive too deep into unless we want to just read the top split winners. But iRacing has broken down the classes by split, and it's essentially the podiums for every class in every split. It's like to talk about the Grand Shalem. Is that listed on here, though? I I think this is only the uh, just the leaders. You have to go down and find it. 
Okay, yeah, you have to skip past the splits. Okay, I found it. So I'm on the GTPs, and there were four teams that did the Grand Shalem. So a Grand Shalem is a pole position, and you won the race, and you had the fastest lap, and you led every lap. And it's perfect if you have zero incidents. And so that's just amazing that we actually have four teams that pulled it off. And one of the teams, I actually see some familiar faces. Casey Kerwin, Blake Reynolds, uh, they're in a team on here, some Coke drivers. They pulled it off. There were five in the GT3 class. And one of them had like 11 drivers on the team. I don't know how you get through the bus stop <laughs> without ever having for 24 hours. Uh, most laps, 920. I was listening to one of the other shows, and they calculated that it was like 240 times around them, the world is how many miles were driven. And uh, club's distribution is very interesting to me. I mean, 41% USA, and then you know everyone else is the rest. But the U.S. drivers really dominated uh, this event, according to the, what I'm seeing here. Well, how different would it look if Europe was all put together as a single split as well? And we were basically well, a continent almost. I, you know, they'd probably be similar to the U.S. Yeah. Maybe it'd be a little less looking at the numbers, actually. But on that club, they just they, they don't show the individual states, right? Or, the, or even the individual USA clubs. They just grouped it all together. So, um, Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, John, how many tracks are there are missing from iRacing? Yeah, so uh, DJ EJ did a little short video on tracks that exist, but they're not actually on there. And he found 112 tracks that iRacing, I guess they're, they're in the dark room somewhere, but you can't actually get on those. And so he just did a short video explaining those. That's a lot of tracks. Oh, yes. sorry, Brian. Pretty, I was going to say interesting how he did that. Yeah, good. Yeah, I was going to say that too, Brian. It's very interesting how he did it because there's a number for every track on the old website. So basically, if you go to tracks and you click on one and you look at the URL, it has a number in it. So those numbers are, go in a sequential order. So he's speculating that basically when there's a gap in those numbers, that means there's missing tracks. And so, for example, in a lot of scenarios, it's a missing configuration of a track. So, for example, like Pocono, like the, they redid Pocono. There was an infield, but they didn't actually, you know, release the infield. And so there was a number skipped. And so he's saying, well, that number that was skipped is the infield for the new Pocono that wasn't ever put out or something like that. He has way too much time on his hands. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I was, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the method he used to figure that out had to take hours to do. I wish I had that much free time. Right. Cause not only does he, you know, find all these missing tracks, then he goes to the track that preceded the number that's missing, looks at the maps to find out if there's a possibility of of a um, alternative course on that each map. So I mean, that's taken a lot of time. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, it's, it's one of the few. DJ DJ is like one of the few guys who would do something like that. 
he's a total nerd. I mean, he had a spreadsheet and everything, you know. <laughs> anyway, it was interesting, and I've 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 known that before that each track has a number, and I've kind of seen how, you know, there's gaps and 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 some of the speculation that he does is probably correct um the way that he describes it um i have no reason to think it's not but some of it he's taken wild swags at you know he just totally guesses what you know what was happening at this time on that year and what might be the reason that you know they skipped 10 numbers you know in this sequence you know and he guesses yeah i think those are the hardest ones to speculate what's missing when there's like a 10 there was one that had a huge gap between it and he i think he was speculating it was just all development tracks so um i think i think that's how he how he speculated that was gone all right brad it's time to talk conspiracy theories yeah so dave cams posted a video uh he was in a session at the norse life um and if you watch the video, he talks about he's he's on his, I guess he's out for his second lap on a run. So um, comes past the pits, his tires are heated up, and the guy pulls out of the pits right behind him, and um, is basically on him, can't shake him, you know, on cold tires. The guy can can kind of can catch up to him. Um, you know, he spends a lot of time talking about how stable the guy is uh, in the corners and and the speed he's picking up. Uh, and whatnot, and then he ends up going to and looks back at the guy's replay and watches him doing a bunch of antics in the pits. So, um, spinning the tires, trying to do like a burnout, you know, and actually flips the car over. So, you know, he he speculates that perhaps you know the guy's doing something to uh, exploit or some sort of tire grip. Um, just didn't make sense that the guy could keep up with them, especially on cold tires. Um, and then I guess the guy's eye rating was, wasn't very high. He hadn't been on the service very long. Uh, talked a bit about, you know, maybe it's a Smurf account or something like that, but, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen any sort of response from eye racing. Is it just a one-off? I don't know. That de- I did not watch the video, but that doesn't sound very substantial evidence. You should. You, I was. I was kind of skeptical for a little bit early in the video when he's just following Dave. I was like, maybe he's, he, the guy has a sixteen hundred I rating. I think Dave's around thirty five hundred, if I'm not mistaken. So there was a bit of a gap there. But when he shows the video of him in, in pit road, that was kind of really curious. What this guy was doing, something funky. Yeah, because yeah. Dave even tries to recreate it, and he can't recreate it. Yeah, the guy uh, in the pits. I mean, he leaned the car up on the side on two wheels and then had some kind of bizarre-looking wheel spin. And I, I don't know how you do that without some kind of hack. Maybe there's a way to do it, but it, it did look awful suspicious. Uh, I watched the video, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, you know, it's against the rules to be spinning your tires and whatnot in the pit. And, okay, so beyond that, I don't think there's any actual griphacks.exe as Dave is uh, speculating here. I, I just don't see it. I've been in iRacing too long. They're too good at, at, at uh, you know, policing this stuff. We would have seen it before. No. Additionally, it's it's not like, say, you know, I, my kind of side game is, is Digital Combat Simulator where you can run your own servers, right? So there's not really any way to kind of monitor what's going on unless you're getting on an Eagle Dynamics server, I guess. And so they can't really hunt for this kind of stuff. 
Um, but in this case, every server is run on iRacing. So they, they have a connection to every computer directly that, where they, they can turn around and see what you're doing. Well, I mean, or is it an exploit? I mean, the whole, you know, running the tires in the grass to cool them down. The, uh, yeah, there's been multiple stuff through the years that people have figured out. You know, or is it a, a glitch with this car and drafting on this particular track that needs to be tweaked? Like, the, you know, one thing that Dave was keen on pointing out was they were going through a set of S curves and stuff, and Dave is real about keeping it off the curbs in a really nice tight line and this guy was like all over the place even dipping it into the grass and up onto the curb and his point was he was actually faster than than dave was but he's also behind him and and you got to take into that account that draft but you know maybe the draft was more substantial than dave's thinking you can go faster through curves with uh if you're willing to take the one x anyway it, it's interesting for sure. It's a fun watch, and um, and uh, you know everyone's got an opinion about it. So I don't know. I feel pretty safe that when I go into iRacing, I'm not up against people with um, you know executables. And Dave, Dave did do a really good job to protect this person's identification because he didn't want that to get out there. So I thought that was cool that he did that. He wasn't trying to out anybody. Um, but he did say he was going to report it to iRacing just to see if there was anything that they thought was weird. Yeah, so maybe more to come. You know, Dave will let us know if there's an outcome. Speaking of more to come, it is uh, getting to be season two talk time, right? We're six weeks into the season. And we have a thread from Kyle Noel that's basically your what's confirmed, what's implied, et cetera, et cetera, uh, featuring return of the IndyCar licenses and branding, return of the Indy 500, a fixed IndyCar road, and IndyCar Oval is moving to Class B. And then there's a lot of talking implied about a rain project, about the rain project. There's quite a few lists there as well as uh, information about Millbridge Speedway. Do you think that could have been the screenshot there, Brian? Would that, would that pass? Um, I guess that's possible. I'm going to look that up while you guys are checking more stuff out. I'll look at that third bullet point below that. I think they're referencing it right there. Yep, that's a pretty good possibility. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it now. That very well could be it from what that picture was in the teaser that we saw earlier. Then there's a bunch of listed maybe teaser teasers uh, confirmed for the future builds are Circuito or Sakito. I don't know if it's which way it should be pronounced. Uh, Nevada. Uh, they're going to rescan Spa, um, and it looks like in the Indy uh, Motor Speedway Dirt Oval has that been confirmed? Are you probably got put on hold because of uh, because of all the stupidity? But um, we know they scanned it. We know they scanned it, but they've never said they're actually going to work on it. So who knows? Got another circuit, uh, Algarve. There's a lot of there's a lot of tracks. Uh, Ford Mustang GT3, supercars Gen 3, that, a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know if all of this stuff's been confirmed or not, though. This may just be like a wish list. It goes on forever. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of stuff. If you guys want to get into it, dig. But I think yeah. Rain is the one that's on the horizon, right? Rain. Yeah, it's coming soon. You might I've say heard that before. You might say it's on the horizon. 
Yeah, some of the stuff we definitely were told about, like uh, career mode was was talked about, uh, dirt AI, that was all talked about before. One thing that's not in here that was kind of hinted out, hinted at a while ago that we covered was, uh, remember those, uh, somebody posted about those Razor, I think it's the Razor um, four-wheel uh, vehicles for um, the dirt road. Um I that was that was hinted about in a in a in a Twitter post by one of the guys at iRacing. Yeah, but is that a thing or is that a joke? Well, they they're pretty big um, racing. I've I've watched I watched them at Crandon uh, the other week on uh, Speed TV or whatever it was. Masson, M A N. Oh, they're they're getting almost as big as the the pro trucks. Next up, we have a really interesting question that can really just kind of be passed around uh, to everybody. And um, it was, uh, would you buy a lifetime membership? Yeah, so Anthony Green asked on the forum, should iRacing offer a lifetime membership? Um, and he says, is there any reason why iRacing wouldn't consider offering members that have been here, for, say, for an example, 15 to 20 years, a lifetime membership? Or if you've reached a certain age, um, it's software. I'm not, not sure how you... How you, how you could do a lifetime membership, even I think with 100% member, yeah, 100% ownership. I'm not sure how you could do a, a lifetime membership. Is he saying that it should be free for people who've been here that long or something? No, or, I mean, I or, would read it as uh, you pay a premium to have a lifetime membership. I, you know, it's five, it's 5,000 bucks and you have everything as no, long actually, as you want. Well, his, in his video, he says they're, um, still buying content at a discount, but not having to pay subscription fees, for example. That's what he was saying. Oh. So he's like, you've been here long enough, you don't have to pay anymore type of deal. I, I'd be, I think, I think you're right, Mike, though. I think if anything would happen with a lifetime membership, I think it would be more in your direction where you pay a, a large lump sum and you don't have to keep renewing. Look, it's a quantity discount, just like they do with the two-year renewal. Or you right. know, you can get it as low as like seven bucks a month if you buy two years all at once. Well, what if I can get it for four dollars a month for this price, and I and that assumes I live to seventy years old or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, It'd be some year. big number, though, right? Do like a ten-year thing instead of like a. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's not talking about ten-year contracts. <laughs> I race them to make all their money on the front end, you know, and uh, and and do it do what they need to with it. Now, wait a minute. So, if I'm I racing, do I need to have terms renewal terms longer than the two years that they currently offer? I mean, from a business standpoint, does it make sense to have something longer than that? I don't know if it does. Well, if you're like half the people, every time you, you know, every Black Friday you renew for two years and you end up, you know, with six years, you've already paid ahead six years or whatever, and you keep doing it each year. Yeah, like Matt Malone did. He's, he's like paid up for years and years and years ahead. Well, I mean, you know, I, I got off the service in 16 and I think my membership was good till like 18, you know, and I, I didn't even use it. So, you know, it's the uh, it's the proverbial, you know, the gift card that never gets turned in. Right, because how many people, if you if you spend a good, decent amount of chunk of change for a lifetime membership, and you decide after a couple of years you're, you're done with it, you know, iRacing made out pretty good on that deal, you know? Yeah, no refund. I, I think this is just a guy having a backhanded way of bitching about subscriptions, really. And I, if, if you think about the money, 
that we pay in that prescriptions subscriptions and then look at the damn wheel on your and wheelbase on your on your wrist yes and then then shut up (laughs) totally agree this is this is cheap entertainment guys We're, we're getting our money's worth the only thing i would say is that it should be free once you hit 63 stop it I got a long way to I think it should be like three if you can get out. But like a scene, not like a 55 or over, but like a, you're, if you're 75 or over, you get 50% off or something. I don't know. I mean, again, the Black Friday savings, if you've owned enough more, you know, of content, I mean, like I get, a, I think a 20% discount. So I get off, I don't know what, it's like four bucks, three bucks or something off everything I buy. I mean, it's, I think they do a good job. So, who here has bought the most content? Uh, Greg? Greg? Uh, I don't know if I'm that far. I think Bobby has the most. Maybe we ought to total that up one day and see what we got. I have nothing dirt-wise, but I have almost every track. Dirt, I mean, uh, road or oval. Yeah, see, I have everything but the dirt as well. But I have a lot of the cars, too, that, that I don't even... But I, but I have cars right from... 2007 and on when it started correct so do i oh the title ideas i'm coming up with right now based on this discussion at the end i'll I'll be i'll be putting them in as we go so we're talking about the limited amount of money that you actually have to spend on a subscription what about nascar track limits um what do you what do you think brian um, so this is in a post from Jonathan Carter, um, and he's asking if there will be an addition of NASCAR track limits for the Coda version of the road course. So, and um, you know, this this is a pet peeve of mine and Tyler Williamson, our teammate, who we talk about this all the time. When you're racing NASCAR and Coda, you just barely go outside the line, and you're getting dinged with uh, with X's. Um, and when you watch, and, and the thing that stinks is when you watch the race on TV, they're three lanes outside of the track and they're they're fine, but we can't even get a tire off the track without getting an incident point. So he's asking if they can, if they'll be doing a, a NASCAR version of the Coda track limits. And I, I, for one, think they should. I don't know how hard it would be to do separate limits for different version, different vehicles, but they 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 really need to do something. They essentially you are treat stuck. it like a different layout, or you would have to you'd have to essentially make it a different layout because they can only have one set of track limits per layout, I, I believe, at least as the way it's yeah, set up now. That would make sense, but just turn it into a there's a you know IndyCar version and there's a you know a Formula One version and then there's a NASCAR version. You know, you just pick it and like you said, it would just open up the incident limit. So if you went wide like the NASCAR people do. See, that's the thing. I mean, iRacing needs to look at what we're trying to do. We're bringing in the casual NASCAR fan. We're getting them into the A car. We're getting them into NIS and they're running these races. And, and, and the only way, the only race craft they know is what they've seen on TV, you know? And so they go out there and recreate what they saw on TV and it's a big no, no. Well, you've got iRacing is using, uh, you know, track limits very similar to the FIA Formula One. You know, if you get a half a wheel off, you're going to get dinged. 
um, that that's the issue. You know, this is kind of spilled over even in some of the real world stuff. My understanding is that like Watkins Glen in turn one, they're about ready to add a bunch of rumble strips in there. They're going to take that whole, they're going to add, I don't know, probably eight or 10 feet of rumble strips coming out of turn one to try to avoid all of the crazy runoff that they've got right now. So I think at some point it is ridiculous what NASCAR does. And I'm a NASCAR guy, you know, but it, I see both sides. If it's asphalted, then drive on it. If you don't want them to drive on it, put uh, you know, plant some grass. This is probably more of a problem of NASCAR never belongs at Coda to begin with as a Formula One track. Well, I want to bob the heads <laughs> in the chat you know, on the screen here, agreeing with Mike on that. But they run. They all run the limits in what they do. Well, I, I yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in that camp of NASCAR doesn't belong on road courses, but that's that's just me. I'm I'm the old guy. Then they can't ever claim to be the best drivers. They can be claimed to be the best old drivers then, but they can't be lead, can't be the best over all around drivers. Was that ever the goal of NASCAR? No, but they do. If you hear, if you watch that thing, we are the best drivers. These are the best drivers in the world. When you watch their documentary, they claim it. Didn't they say the same thing with the on the F one documentary? Yeah. How many ovals can they drive? Would you think that ovals? Are, well, let's put it this way: a road course guy came and destroyed the uh, NASCAR guys on a brand new track that was a road course track. How did he? How did he do it, Miami? It still doesn't matter. It's you're either good at ovals, you're good at road course. It don't matter. So this next video um, on the Twitter here, it kind of takes what we're talking about to the to the joke status. Um, he he gets in the NASCAR Gen Seven. Uh, looks like maybe Spa, and he uh, drives it with the NASCAR track limit standards, and basically goes wide on every corner across the curbs and. Uh, right up against the gravel or grass uh, and so forth. It's kind of fun. Well, he's going along with Brad's suggestion. If it's got asphalt, you can drive on it. But there's a reason that they, they put some of those runoffs there for safety and also just to allow the cars, if they do go off track, to still be drivable afterwards. Right. Don't end up in the gravel pit because they've paved it, you know. It's the same. It's the same situation with a double yellow line. Okay, if it's asphalt, then run on it. You just don't put a line arbitrarily and it says you can't go below it. Yeah, but you don't want people racing down there at a, at a plate track. It, it's that would be that's just utterly dangerous. All right, I remember talking about an engine possibly. Uh, well, th this may be the exact same discussion, right? We talked about a mysterious engine blow up last week. Is that what this article is also about, Mike? I don't know if it's the same guy or not, but he definitely puts into uh, the forums a video of their engine blowing up. Um, yeah. So uh, late into the, the, the race, you know, coming through the bus stop and they end up popping a motor. If you look at the forum post, they go on to mention, uh, I think it was Michael Hinkle from staff confirms that they did find an error and found something that was wrong and that they said it would be corrected in the next patch. So something was causing an issue. Yeah, I don't think this was the same video from last week because last week was two hours to go 
and this is clearly in the middle of the night. So I think it was a, it was a, you know two different things, same same thing happening with a motor blowing. And and this guy, I mean, you only see like two laps of him running, and he's not abusing the rumble strips or anything like that that we, we thought that could have been an issue. But that's, so that's probably what happened to the other one too. And it was, a, and according to this, it's now a glitch that they're going to take out. Yeah, there's more than one person affected. If you scroll down, um, another guy said he had the same problem. That's a tough way to go out of a 24 race when the engine blows and you guys, your team didn't do anything, you know? Seemed like they were all LMPs too. I didn't see any of the GT cars have that. Yeah, maybe that's the common thread. All right. If you're on different time zone or different workload hours, you might have noticed iRacing was down earlier. There was a database problem, and they had to sh put it in maintenance mode for a little bit. And it looks like it was down, based on the post, for about an hour and a half to two. Yeah, just today. Didn't they just do an update to the database Tuesday? They did. You're right. There was a database maintenance scheduled um, two days ago. So maybe it's related. But this was unplanned, unscheduled. Um, that that means it went down and they had to react. That's usually what that means. Now, look, I, it's been a long time since this has happened, so I just want to point that out. And it didn't happen during the 24, thank God. Uh, the other thing I saw, and I didn't put the link in here, but there's some guy in the forums like, we need compensation because there was an outage. Like, uh, really? <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, I can tell you, if you were back on the service 2012, 2013, 14, I mean, it was nothing for every week there being outage at some point, it seemed like. But to ask for compensation because they went down for an hour and a half and the middle of the weekday morning, I mean, come on. Like, you can't go find something else to do for an hour. <laughs> Right. So, so iRacing is open basically uh, a full year. You have access to the service almost the entire year, which is like, uh, you know, 88,700 minutes. And if, uh, you know, you can get a discount of one, you know, for one hour's worth of that, which would be pennies. Right. It's not even a penny, probably. This guy would have gone in anaphylactic shock if he had been on the papyrus servers in the 90s. <laughs> yep. All right. So this next one is is directly in in line with what we were talking about about paving areas for safety. Uh, the paving that's happened at Daytona is on this next tweet, and we have a post from Casey Carrington asking iRacing to avoid rescanning it as long as possible. And the reason the paving was done to begin with is after analysis of the of the Ryan Priest flip. So, and a lot of road course people, particularly because this is around the bus stop are not happy with it because they think it's going to take some of the risk out of what if you miss the bus stop. So you pull a Tony Rochette in the early in the 24 and you don't bend the car is what it means, right? No, I watched him. He would have bent it anyway. <laughs> okay. You know, I don't, I don't know about the idea of telling iRacing not to scan a track. I mean, come on. We always want them to update the tracks. So I want this update. You know, like, look, if they're doing it, then we we want the update. And yeah, so we're we're looking for realism. That's what we want. We want it to be just like the track that they race on. So I say, scan it. Now wait a minute. Let's let's ask a road racer here. 
does the runoff area or what's behind it change how fast you take a given corner? Are we talking real life or? Well, either way, either way. Not in our racing because you're going to get a 1X. Well, and there's also no risk factor in iRacing besides the one X or a slowdown. You're just, you just have a different. All it's going to do is change your eye, what your eye sees, and what you use as breaking points. So, if you use something in the grass or like for an exit or something like that, it might change it. But like I agree, what they should do is what they're doing um, in F1, where they paint. Like you, you could paint it green with like the the textured paint that kind of slows the cars down too. Still look like it kind of look like grass, but it's just safer. Or make it some kind of super slick paint, literally, where that you're just not going to have grip in that area, but you still can move. You can still recover enough that you, like not getting stuck in the grass. What is it, uh, Charlotte and the whole tribal now? Uh basically uh astro turf turf yeah yeah but i don't think they want anything where it could grab the car and lift it up if for like the super speedway aspect of it on at least if they pave it flat they know that the only thing that's going to lift the car up is if it gets off the ground just a bit and then it goes over if if there's nothing like the uneven grass or ground it, it's going to stay pretty level it's it's where they could control it right yeah, and I think this Daytona backstretch is a is a specialty case because we know they're at full song, you know, as they get down to the end of the backstretch. And if something goes wrong and you get a car down low, you don't want it to dig in the grass and do that Ryan Priest flip thing. I want them to scan it. So I don't know what this guy wants, but. Well, Mike, I know you like to run Delara Dash and Pickup Cup a lot and Carb Cup. So um, what do you think about this next topic? Road Racing Unofficial Series. Rob Gibson proposes in the forums an idea of an unofficial road series being added to the weekly schedule. Why don't we have a Carb Cup for road racing? So, there, I mean, unofficial racing, there's not a lot of it. I mean, there's Delara Dash, there's Pickup Cup. There's carburetor cup. What else is there? Am I missing any? That's three of them. So I, I like the idea. You know, why not have a, you know, MX5 cup at, you know, one of the heritage tracks and um, have it unofficial? I don't know. So I don't I don't run carb cup or any of that. Is that no SR, no IR? That's right. Yeah. That's what it means. No SR, no IR. I don't know. I don't know if there's a need for it. I, you know, would it turn into a, you know, just a series that nobody runs? That would well, be what I'd be afraid of. Well, I think there was some mention of that in the in the forum post that I think it's been tried before and the attendance was bad or participation. Now, my question is: Would you have to make it very like a short race? Because a lot of you know, the one thing with with uh, road racing is the effort that you put into you know, mastering a track on a road course or something like that. Maybe that's why people don't have the participation. They don't want to, um, you know, all that effort and not get anything out of it besides possibly a stat for a win or whatever, but that doesn't even count still, right? It wouldn't count to your stats, would it? It doesn't, no. Yeah, so, like, I think maybe the roadside isn't, because if you think of, we're enticed with the oval side because of, 
the restrictor plates or the plate racing or just the big big tracks it's really kind of i don't know what you would have you'd have to find a car that would be really enticing to get somebody to do it i just don't think there it's there well i think when the carb cup stuff like that it's more of just an arrive and drive I mean, jump in the car and go. It's not not like a road course where you've got to potentially spend a little bit of time learning the track and whatnot. I'm going to jump ahead while we're on this topic. Um, the Downshift podcast came out from iRacing today, and I listened to it. And one of the tidbits um, that was new was Greg West announced the IR18 um, IndyCar will be back in the Delara Dash come next season. So that's good news. I've been calling for that. The that uh, series was decimated um, with the jet car, the IR01. Nobody was running it, and it was just a shame. That was quite a popular series before they put the before IndyCar left and everything. Like you could go in there almost any time of day or night and get a field of twenty to thirty people. And I like a unofficial myself because it's just a place just to. You know, like right now, I'm trying to preserve my I rating before division sets in NIS. So I'm not running oval races, but I can go run carb cup or pickup cup and not, and not have to worry about it. So I kind of like it for those reasons. And, you know, there's there's usually it's pretty easy to get wins there, too. So I kind of like getting a little clout. You just have to survive the big wreck, especially and not get pulled away from the track from the pack. When, when you're when you're dodging so if it's an unofficial series does that not count as an official win it doesn't doesn't increase my okay. total but you know i'll put up a little video in the chat of me doing donuts at least you know and show adam hey i got one so if you have trouble getting to sleep this this next video might be for you it's sounds of iRacing part two and it's basically trackside ambience and soothing flybys and there can be some credence to this because I know some guys that talk about how, if they're camping at a, at a, say the real Daytona 24, they will if a caution comes out, it will actually wake them up because of the sudden change in in the in the ambient noise level. Yeah, it was a pretty neat video. Um, you know, between the video and the sound, just it's all trackside. You know, video uh, cameras, uh, mics. Um, you know, from LMP3s. GT4s, you know, stock cars, uh, you know, so it was a pretty good video. You've heard of NAPCAR, right? Yeah, I used to Sunday afternoon turn on NASCAR, and before you know it, it's uh, nap time. Uh, so this is kind of like that. Yeah, it's pretty long, too. It's near almost 40 minutes, so it's, it's not a short video. All right, John, this next one's really handy if you are new to iRacing particularly, but sometimes we're even trying to figure things out when we've been in here for a while. And um, it's just another good educational video. Yeah, it really is. Overtake GG did uh, a search to figure out what are the 21 most searched questions about iRacing. And they went through each one, and it's about 11 minutes long. If you're new to iRacing, you ought to watch this because it answers those questions that you're going to have when you're new. Uh, you know, how does it work? What does it cost? What should I buy? Uh, you know, it, good video. Uh, I would highly recommend it if, you, if you're new to the service. You know, what is NPR? How do you start from the pits? How do you move the black box? 
When do you shift? When do you change tires? You know, what are divisions? Can you play offline? Can replays be saved? You know, this really basic kind of, how do you do stuff? And so it was pretty cool. And uh, the commentator, uh, she's uh, great. I, I enjoyed watching her video and I ended up watching the whole thing, even though I know all the answers. <laughs> all right, Mike, we got a little bit of eNASCAR series news. Yeah, we got Wyatt Tinsley gets the first win in the Coke series at the Clash, which wasn't at the Coliseum, guys. It was at Daytona. That kind of threw me a loop. I was like, wait a minute. I, I was expecting the Clash, I thought, and um, at the uh, Coliseum. But anyway, um, the other thing they're doing this year is they're running the races an hour earlier than they used to. And I think that's actually going to cause me to miss a lot of these because I'm on the West Coast. But uh, I'm a little bummed about the time change, but that they're doing it. They're doing 8 p.m. Eastern instead of 9 p.m. Eastern now. Does that mean they can bring the length back to them? I don't think that's changing. Well, as we're... It'll be fun to see, you know, who's got it, who doesn't. As we're talking the Clash, there is a tweet from a wreck in the Clash that Iris posted. I didn't see this race, so I can't really speak to uh, what happened in it. I watched it. I mean, it was typical, typical Daytona. Um, you know, they ran heat races, and there was damage in there. There was wrecks of those, and in the main race, there was wrecks. So, I mean, it's typical Daytona racing. Especially when it's unofficial. In, in, in now, somebody, in the, somebody in the chat wasn't a fan of the paint jobs that they run for this particular race. What was that all about? Well, they, they it was the same scheme, just change the colors, put the team names on the on the hoods, and then the names of the drivers on the uh, quarter panels. So, um, I mean, again, I think it's just a, a one off, and it's fine. Doesn't bother me. Well, Bobby didn't like it because he's a painter. Well, I guess they're just waiting for the season to start to, without the the real ones. I guess. Well, that really puts a limit on anybody who who does sponsorship, like can't put your sponsor on your car it sure does yeah i don't know if i'm a fan of it to be honest i think i'll agree with bobby i mean look uh, these coke drivers they need a sponsor these teams need a sponsor that sponsor pays them a lot of money probably to be on the car and this is like a bonus race i you know you'd love to throw that in for your sponsor you know hey we have the clash you know that we're running before the season starts even and and you'll be, you know, on the car then too. And, uh, and, oh, well, wait a minute, maybe not. All right. So I guess we're going to get into, uh, the drama department, Mike. No, we already covered the William Byron came up on iRacing stuff. So, um, the next one is the E NASCAR clash. Well, that was just a replay of some of the wrecks that Brad mentioned. Yeah. And so the next about. one is set up shop drama, right? Okay. I'm catching up. And somebody in our team put this in the chat. Yeah, I, I almost, I personally almost don't want to really talk about this because it's, it's kind of silly. It's just two people being mad at each other and trying to, trying to gain public political points over it. Yeah, it's basically one of the setup shops uh, is one of the key builders is leaving. And um, so who knows what's happening there. So we'll leave it at that. So back back to the hard news, Mike. World of Outlaws with a definitely not a runaway championship. Well, I'll let Brian talk about this, but I, I want to say a tie 
for the championship. Holy, holy cow. How does this happen? <laughs> crazy, crazy race. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any of the series have ever come down to a finish like this for the championship. So week 10, final week of the season for the uh, for the Outlaws at um, the dirt track at Charlotte. Coming into the race, uh, Ryan, uh, Aiden Forrester had an 18-point lead over Ryan Avila. And uh, so uh, start uh, third place was... Um, Third place was still um, far enough away that both of these cars basically would not have to miss the feature from the catch up. That would have been uh, Alex um, Bergeron. So uh, the race starts. Um, these two guys were both in the same heat, and man, the the the, the drama started right away. They um, Aiden Forrester almost wrecked. He he made contact in the first turn of his heat race, dropped out of the top four, to, which would have kept him out of the uh, had to make him come through the last chance qualifier and uh, wound up racing his way back into fourth place Aiden Forrester won that heat so going into the final uh, main feature Aiden Forrester was starting fourth in P4 um, um, or sorry Aiden Forrester was way back in the last quarter of the field Ryan Avila started in P4 so um, as the race started uh, Avila had more points than Forrester because he was started you know if he if he took the position where they started the race at um, Avila only had a few spots he could really make up but Aiden Forrester would have going to have to come through the field to really uh, to really take the points uh, back so they were um there was a couple of three, three cautions in the race. One of them was late, and that really helped Aiden Forrester because he was stuck in about 13, 12th place, and he wasn't looking like he was going to be able to make up any more spots, and Avila was going to take the championship. But uh, they had a late restart, um, and they go at it, man. Ryan Avila made up some spots, and in real time, you could see this championship points lead go from four points to three points to two points as Ryan Av or, or as Aiden Forrester Forrester's passing cars, and Ryan Avila's doing his best to try to try to win the race. Um, wound up finishing second, but Aiden Forrester um, made up enough spots to finish the race dead even in points after ten full weeks of racing. So how do you, they they uh, they split the tie by going to whoever won the most races in the year? Well, Ryan Avila didn't win any, and Aiden Forrester won one race, and in that race was when Hayden Carr will hit the wall at the very end and Ryan Avila or Aiden Forrester won the last lap of the race. He, he passed him on the last lap. So he won that race basically by a light pass in one race and he won the championship because of it. It was, it was fantastic. It was really fun to watch. In position literally is what it boils down to, you know, and, and like you said, going back to that one win and he, he won it on the last lap. So it's really down to that one lap. You know, if that went differently, this would have played out differently. You know, uh, I wonder what would happen if they both had a win. What was the next tiebreaker? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. What were we saying, Adam? Sorry. Probably would have been um, second places after that. Yeah. The right. highest finisher in the race, probably crazy uh, it was it was fantastic if you haven't watched it it's worth a rewatch i racing had um posted in the in on their uh twitter page you know uh, uh, a replay of the last couple laps of the race but really if you get a chance watch the whole thing go to youtube channel one for i racing you can watch the whole thing over it's great the announcers are great too i gotta say um the production on the world of outlaws 
season, second to none. Um, have no complaints with those guys. All right, John, this next guy certainly would have gotten the senior discount. Yeah, I wondered why you picked me on this one. So, uh, you know, on um, boxeslap.com, there's a little memorial for Ryuji Yarabe, 93-year-old sim racer uh, who recently passed away. This guy started as a taxi driver, um, I think, in Japan. He's from Japan. Okay. And at the age of 93, died. But there's a great picture of this guy sitting behind his rig. Uh, he's got his uh, Logitech wheel, but what an inspiration. Taxi driver to virtual racer, and man, I hope I'm doing it at 93. Yeah, so if you watch the video, uh, his grandson got him in, into this um, and you know, gave him an opportunity to do something. Uh, he loved cars, and uh, you know, he talks in the video that you know, he went from just sleeping and, and, and doing nothing really to, to being able to do this um, daily and ended up streaming it. And I think he said one video has got three million views or something. So, um, again, you know, I, I just thought I found this article and threw it on there. I thought it was an interesting thing that, uh, you know, is we, we, we everybody considers video games, but the older you get, um, you know, your reactions and, and stuff like that, you got to stay active and things like this, I think, help. I think this is a great idea for like nursing homes and and old people retirement, you know, places where you have these people that are quite old and they they sit around and they get bed sores and they don't move and they don't do anything. You you watch this guy sawing at the wheel and he's moving his arms and his shoulders around and you got to know that's good for your body, you know, and it, it's good for your longevity. And it's something he can handle, you know, he can sit in front of it in his wheelchair and reach up and grab it, you know, and, and so I, I'd like to see this in, uh, like I said, nursing homes and stuff like that and try to get these people something to do. Uh, maybe they'll get interested in it and have fun. Should I insert joke here where Mike, don't you have one at your home already? <laughs> OBRL can get another like league uh, division going. Oh God! They wouldn't even have. It would just be the racing league because they wouldn't have to call the old bastards. I just hope I'm still racing at 93, like this guy was. So that's pretty cool. That that's a goal for sure. Hey, maybe by that time VR will catch on completely, and then everybody'll be running in VR instead of triples. No, oh, I was waiting for David to say something there. Al, I was too busy thinking about. The fact that uh, since th this uh, podcast is geriatric themed, I was trying to come up with any kind of pun that has anything to do with leaks. So, because that's certainly a concern when you reach geriatric uh, ages. Um, well, we could do a show of hands if anybody wants to confess. <laughs> no confessions. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, here we go. Uh, secret content leaks. DJ EJ, he's posted a video of iRacing content that has been leaked but not released. So this was like the leak that almost happened. Well, he talks about uh, first the Super Formula uh, apparently was leaked out before the content was uh, released uh, was the first one he mentioned. And then there's also talk about uh, alpha testers uh, leaking in the past. So those are the, 
anybody else catch into the other any other items that might have gotten leaked but never actually released? Yeah, there's some footage there at the end, which is the uh, I want to say it was yeah, gosh, must have been 10, 15 years ago, the Bash at the Beach or whatever, where they had the uh, the oval set up on the back stretch of Daytona. Looks like. And then there's a go kart. Uh, there's an image of the go kart at the 44 second mark. Um, there's literally a go kart in iRacing, and there's a picture of it right there. Uh, that's been around since the inception. Never released, right? No, I can, you can remember all the way back on the old forums that that picture of the wheel, the go kart wheel that was that was released, and nothing was ever done with it. All right, uh, real quick hit, I guess, on this next one. Logan Clampus has posted a, that he's finally accomplished a long time goal, and he has uh, hit ten thousand I rating in oval. We get these about becoming, once a week now, don't we? This is becoming more of a common thing now lately, isn't it? Well, that's what I was thinking, and you know, I think. I think we need to talk a mi- for a minute about is 11,000 the new 10,000 because of COVID and the big bump in subscriptions, uh, people coming into iRacing, 10,000 isn't what it was eight years ago. Maybe 11,000 is the new 10,000, like I said. I'm thinking like 12 or 13 at this point, because it used to be Ty Majeski had way more than everyone else, and now you got four or five or whatever guys on Oval that have it. I mean, you need another guy that has another two or three more than the rest of everybody. And what's yeah, making this possible? There's a dozen on road, too. And what's making this possible is a trickle-up effect, effectively. There's just so much, so many more drivers now that they're if they're winning – there's just more points to gain. I, I agree. Where does this? Oh, go ahead, Brad. Well, I was going to say, I think we talked last week with somebody. It was a, it was a young guy. Was, was 12, 13 years old. Was he at 10 or 11,000 or something? He had 10,000 old. Yeah. yeah, Joel Smith hit it. But at some point, there's, is there a cap? Like, obviously, if you keep winning and winning and you still got guys in your thing, it can't cap. But how slow would you grow? Would it only grow... If you were the number one car, had so, enough people in strength of field to grow and you win the race, would it only give you like point. one two or point. two points? Like it would take a long time to grow, right? It ends up working just more like calculus where you're just continuing to make smaller and smaller increments. And then when you do take a hit with a bad finish, you lose so much more of it back because your distance is just so much greater in the other direction. So it's very, it's very like uh exponential or logarithmic even if in in the math who who was it on our team that was that was talking about that they just couldn't seem to get going it, it, they they every time they take one step for, forward they go like two or three steps back well that was me all last year no but it was someone recently yeah that was me no you're yeah okay you know i think it'd be interesting to see you know maybe a tr- a um you know, a track of, of where Logan's I rating has been, you know, on a graph or something to kind of see how long did it take to get from eight to nine, nine to 10. You know, if you're talking about once you get up there to where it's such a high number and that the gain is so low, how long does it take to get to that point? I think with Logan, though, it's a little bit more of a unique situation because he was a Coke driver forever and he didn't run officials really. Uh, he was protecting his I rating. He was protecting his license. He wasn't like out running everything under the sun, trying to gain the 
you know, yeah. get to 10,000. Now he's retired and he's just running a lot of stuff on iRacing for fun. And it, he's obviously grown his iRating quite a bit since he retired. I don't think most of the Coke drivers, especially the ones who are comfortably in the top 20, have to protect their iRating. I think it's time because they have to spend so much time testing that they don't do anything else. They don't have a lot. They don't run a lot of races. They might run the A Open on a Tuesday night, right? Yeah, most of them show up for there's a there's basically a strength of field race on the, on Monday night, right? Where you'll show you'll see eight to ten to sometimes fifteen of the Coke drivers in there. But but that's a good point. The Coke drivers would you would only get two or three officials a week because of that. Um, but now Logan's probably running a lot more than that. I've seen him running out there quite a bit. He's also a new coach for the uh, Conti setup shop. Um, so you can actually hire um, through Mike Conti's team, uh, Logan Clampett, to you know train you on how to drive. Uh, this next one is interesting, and it's too bad that, that I'm, uh, I've got to work Friday night. Um, there's going to be an open lobby on iRacing with the Ferrari 296 GT3 team. Uh, so that's Mirko Suriano, Antonio Giovanazzi, wow, Giovanazzi, and uh, Isaac Gillison. No, Lewis Hamilton. Whoa, yeah, if you look whoa, at the whoa. comments, not yet. <laughs> if you look at the comments, yeah, that's what people are asking. Well, where's Lu is you know, is Lewis going to show up? Do you guys see the dream team for the Le Mans Ferrari? Was uh, Vettel? Hamilton and Leclerc that they were what people were dreaming up for uh, Le Mans next year. Yeah, that'd be a nice, nice lineup. So it's starting at 7 p.m. CET, which I think is Central European time, which is a couple. I think that's Germany time, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to be GMT plus two. Wouldn't it be closer to Italian time, maybe? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and tell you while y'all talk about the next article. So we have a new time attack challenge, uh, Brad. Yep. So the Thrustmaster, uh, it's got Thrustmaster time attack. Um, you can enter to win a $2,000 T818 full kit. That's the base, the EVO, the open wheel, and so forth. Uh, and iRacing gift cards. So it's free to enter. Uh, you've got to be registered in order to win. So tournament overview, stage one's time attack, single driver. Um, start date is February 1st, so that started today at 8 a.m. Using the NASCAR Truck Series, uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway Oval 2018. And the end date is March 7th. So uh, they'll run all the time attack through then, uh, fastest laps. And then they'll take the top 30 drivers uh, March 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern. They'll run a Truck Series race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So good opportunity to uh you know turn to do some time attacks and i think we had a wasn't it justin that was doing this for the daytona thing and was really got into it so maybe he'll uh, jump back in this why do they keep using charlotte charlotte seems to be their thing yeah i don't know it's a free track isn't it yeah but the truck's not free though is it no I might try this, just put up some laps and to see where I land. I, I'm never close to the top, though. I mean, you get all the aliens in these. If it's a qualifying lap, I should try it. Well, especially when there's equipment on the 
you know, you, the top three get uh, wheelbases. So in, an update on the Central European time is it's just one hour ahead of GMT. So it's basically French time. Six hours ahead of Eastern. Is that right? Yes. I'll be at work. This will be an afternoon event. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best to have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. podcast housekeeping leave us a review of your favorite on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mission the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate that get involved in the discord discussion with us and jump on our website iracerslounge.com or go buy a hat or a shirt at iracerslounge.shop we're in regular rotation at the performance motorsports network and finally we're looking for a sponsor for season guys um if you're a sim racing a, a company of some kind or business uh, equipment manufacturer please contact us and let's uh do business will this computer run iRacing? not now all right brad let's open up the hardware section with a review of the tony Kanon acetec prima or prima racing bundle yep so redline sim racing reviews the tony Kanon version of the acetec prima racing bundle um i didn't get a chance to watch this but you know talks about really some of the best one of the best deals in sim racing um you know again great to see tony Kanon involved in this um and i wish some of this stuff was was around when i was building everything last year what a deal it's basically 800 for 1200 dollars worth of stuff so 400 off heck of a deal you know good equipment too i mean the ace Tech is certainly one of the brands to pick these days um and then it's got that tony Kanon branding you know green he's got always got the lime green look I'm only a couple months away. Maybe this might be on the radar. This would be a good value. I mean, you you can't go wrong with this, Greg. I mean, uh, what what pedals do you have though? I have a fan of inverted threes. I would. I'm trying to. I'm going to upgrade eventually to uh, uh, sim coaches. Yeah, I would. I would yeah. hit that. I would hit that before the wheel. It'll make a bigger difference. That is, I think that is that is my thing because I don't. The wheel is not my problem. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go elsewhere with the pedals, I don't know if this package is for you because it is, you know, a third of it is pedals. And Yeah. No, it's just kind of cool. I'm glad that it'd be interesting if we had more kind of these bundles, too, for some of the other companies as a full package type thing, too. Isn't the Acetec basically a SimuCube? Right. They, um, they bought the intellectual property from SimuCube. Uh, for the software and drivers and stuff, but we had learned that it was an early version of that software. It's not the same one the SimiCube currently runs. 
All right. This one, I got to throw to Mike because you're always talking to yourself about what your next upgrade is. And now DJ EJ is doing the same thing. Oh, you just get a quick review of it's a one minute video. He kind of shows off his setup. Um, you know, it's, he doesn't have a rig. He's off of a desk. He's got a, a clamped wheel to the desk and, you know, he's got a, a lot of ancillary equipment around him besides the racing, like his microphone and camera stuff and whatnot for his videos. And so he talks about how much money he spent and he added up one thousand three hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, just one thousand. Well, that was the equipment. And then he threw in his Pokemon uh, collection and said, well, now it's worth ten thousand. So if you I thought he was Pokemons, it's worth ten grand. <laughs> I thought he was kind of implying that he might sell his Pokemon collection and and uh, upgrade his rig. Yeah, I think he was too, looking for uh, somebody to bite. So back to the previous statement of a nerd. Right. <laughs> a, yeah, with a spreadsheet. And, yeah. So do we have to do we have the title idea geriatric nerd? Right. But, uh, you know, it's kind of cool because, you know, you see guys like Boosted Media have like $100,000 rigs and stuff. And this guy's just got like a Logitech on a 27-inch monitor or something. And he puts out great content. It's, it's, I think it's pretty cool. Well, we all started somewhere. I mean, I, I was a desk racer for many years. The next one requires a live performance. Low slider. <laughs> okay, that's a new one. Carl Gosling uh, reviews the low slider yaw motion system uh, from Race at Home. And uh, boy, this thing is cool. It, it's basically the traction loss, you know, part of the motion, but on the front side is what he's talking about. Well, this one was interesting to me because the front end basically moves as you turn the wheel. So it's it's based on, you know, your left and right movement of the wheel, not so much, uh, you know, how your wheels slide or push or get loose on the track. So it's, it's a front end uh, motion system. And then, okay, so wait, John, and then it has traction loss on the back or no? Yeah, so on the back, you do have the traction loss. Uh, you know, you can feel uh, the movement, the back tires going left and right. Now, what I thought was really interesting about this was uh, Carl has got a rig set up. He did this review, spent a lot of time, and it's a great review. But he said, well, I can't use it because I don't have enough clearance where my monitors stand to even use this thing. So one of the things you got to be careful of with this is if the front end of your rig is going to move, is it going to bump into something? And, and Carl couldn't use it because it, it would bump into his monitors. Yeah, if if you remember last week, we had a, a a story about him with like fifty five inch triple monitors, and and it's just that kind of movement. It's just getting hit, going to hit the monitors, so it's not going to work really well. But but the back the back um, the back slider uh, yaw actuator is basically just a motion actuator laying um, laying on its side horizontally, and it you know as a good piston moves in and out, it's it's moving the the back end of the car left and right um so it's 
pretty cool. Now, Carl is, uh, I think Carl does a lot of rally type of racing, and he did mention this is really good for rally racing. He's not sure if you would get quite the same effect out of like uh, uh, some of the road racing where you don't lose your tail end quite nearly as much as you do in like a rally car, but still really cool to have and, and could be helpful in even in ovals where, you know, if you start feeling the back end come around, um, you can might be able to correct it before it's too late. This particular rig, I mean, he's got like a D-box actuators on all four corners, and then the whole uh, traction loss system thing is underneath that. It's really uh, the next level for, or the next step if you have a, a motion rig, you know. So for like a rig like ours, Mike, like obviously yours has wheels on it, mine doesn't. He would, does it fit in between those rails where those feet are? Is that where we would be put placing our rigs to kind of have it, or has it got to go under the seat? I'm just I trying to figure out how I would use something like that with my rig. I don't think it goes onto the seat. It looks like it goes down on the uh, uh, the mainframe. It doesn't look like this one has wheels on it, the one that he's showing, though. No, but, yeah, it, it's it, you would have to have it on stands or something on each corner, it, you know, if you didn't have the D-box actuators. I don't know if it makes sense to have the traction loss device without the having those those D-box actuators on every corner first. All that, and he's on a single monitor. Well, I think this is in his actual house. This, he went over to a buddy's oh, house okay. to demo this. Yeah. Well, Brian, this next one just makes me wonder, is, who's running, who's cornering the market on uh, VR, or is it really just not catching on? Yeah, so uh, this is a story that was announced um, that the Vero Aero Varo Aero is no longer going to be produced, um, so and has no direct uh, succession uh, planned out. So, the Varo, which was a uh, you know really highly acclaimed headset when it came out, had a great visual. It was priced really high. I think it was close to two grand. That was without base stations if you needed them. Didn't have controllers either. Um, so it was definitely on the high end and. Um, they, uh, after after the Pimax Crystal came out, they they basically cut the price in half. I think to try to compete a little bit better with that. And then now now we get the word that they're um, they're going to be just discontinuing the product altogether. So I think it was a combination of a couple of things. Is that you know some of the other manufacturers were catching up to it, and and the price it was just really expensive. So you really had to dish out a, a lot of money to pick this thing up. And uh, you know who knows what the what the what the market's going to be going forward. But you know we talked a little bit about um, um, about Microsoft not supporting the Windows Mixed Reality possibly coming up. Who knows? This it's it's all in flux right now. But um, I don't think it's going to go away completely. Um, I think it's, there's still going to be a market for it. It's just a matter of what, what way it goes. You know, the whole VR market is kind of like you say dwindling out of existence it almost feels like but i want to talk briefly about apple vision one vision pro their new vr they don't they won't call it vr but it is vr um i i finally watched a 45 minute uh, uh actual review video from markley's brown brownlee whatever his name is um and from what i can tell you know, it, it's basically an iOS device. Okay, so 
are you going to be able to run iRacing on it? I don't think so. Um, you can watch stuff in a browser. Like if you, if you can pl get it to play in a browser, you can watch it. Um, and um, it does some pretty cool stuff, but I don't think you're going to be iRacing with it. But the, the thing I want to say is the success of Apple's venture into this, I think is really going to drive where this market goes with VR are the, you know, is it going to be a, a lot of people like it? And then, so other companies are going to want to produce new equipment to try to compete with Apple. You mean like Google or Samsung? Right. And isn't it pretty high on the, on the price side? Yeah, it's 3, like thirty five hundred bucks. But uh, I just heard a story that uh, they're they're sold out already. They're they're already sold out. So um, the initial batch is gone. Yeah, it's pretty neat looking uh, device. Um, and anyway, I don't think it'll do eye racing. But yeah, so we'll have to see where VR goes. Hey guys, um, I just don't feel like there's enough uh, road wheels out there. What do y'all think? Oh, we need another. Well, how about that? Here you go. Your answer is uh, your wish is Cube Controls Command. Tell us about it, Mike. The GTX2 Formula Wheel um, is being teased at 1,387 euros. And um, we, we don't have a link on this one, but um, the pictures I've seen in social media recently, it's got this really bright red kind of metal look, a, a, a frame around the bottom part of it. Uh, it looks really sharp. It's got a screen, obviously the magnetic uh, connector for the wire. Um, yeah, if you're buying a wheel, you got to look at this one. Cube Controls uh, continues to impress. Well, Brad, let's just keep hitting the reviews. Boosted Media presents a, a, a tough SG Racing sequential shifter and handbrake. Yep, so you reviewed the SG Racing sequential shifter and handbrake. Um, gave a good review. You can get this as a standalone shifter, or you can get it together with the handbrake, basically all in one unit. Um, Will Ford, you know, talked about, you know, construction was good, and, you know, again, there's just so many options now. I mean, from what you want. I'm not a handbrake guy. I don't do any of that rally or drifting and stuff like that. But, um, you know, just another good option. I like the little lever where you drop it into neutral. Uh, there's a little lever on it for that. That's kind of unique. Um, yeah, but he said he couldn't get it to work, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's what it's claimed to do, but he couldn't get it to work. And I think at the end of this, didn't he say, I'm not going to be switching away from my uh, my current shifter. <laughs> All right, let's keep hitting the reviews, John. Yeah, we got uh, Daniel Moffat did a review. Now, there's a backstory here. You know, Daniel Moffat was a, a Fanatec guy. Uh, he had a DD2. And he was one of the people that had just those nightmare Fanatec problems which I know we've talked about before, so I won't get into it, but uh, he ended up getting a Semicube Pro 2. He, and he did this video after using it for a week. Uh, you know, and as expected, he likes this, this wheelbase. Yeah, we all know that Semicube is a great wheelbase. I know, Mike, you use Semicube, you love it. Um, yeah, but he just decided I'm I'm done with Fanatec. I'm I'm gonna go to one of the best, and that's what he's done. He's happy. 
And the reason I like this video is this guy in particular describes differences in wheelbases better than anybody I've ever heard. Um, he was able to verbalize how it feels going from a Fanatec DD to a SemiCube. And I've never been able to verbalize that. I, I, I know how it feels in my head, in my hands, and it's so hard to put words to it. But this guy actually put words to it very well. I don't know. I don't have in front of me exactly what he said, but after listening to him and what he had to say about it, I, w I was like, yeah, that's exactly how it feels. I mean, he, he was spot on. And, you know, it's not a big difference. You know, I, I don't want to say it's a night and day thing. It's very subtle, guys. I mean, so so don't, you know, expect a day-night change if you make this kind of change. But it's a refined change. It's, it's, you get a little bit more detail, a little bit more um, fidelity, I guess you would say. What I, you know, we've seen a lot of new hardware. I mean, it seems like every week we get a new wheel, we get a new wheelbase, we get new shifters. And I, I'm kind of excited to think about what are we going to have coming up with wheelbases because there haven't been major changes in the last year or two. So, um, you know, what's coming down the pike on wheelbases for somebody who's thinking about getting one in six months or so? Yeah, good point. I mean, the SimiCube 2 has been around a long time. You know, what else can they do to it is the question. I mean, we didn't think, you know, we thought we had everything with hydraulic brakes and this and that. And then they brought out the active pedals and that was revolutionary, you know. So I guess that's what John's saying. What is that next revolutionary thing we're going to see? Probably this next video. Adam, what do you think of this one? Uh, let's see. This is crazy. This is the, the Frex guy, and he's got a head movement system. Yeah, keep moving that. I want to see that. I haven't watched it. Yeah, so basically, he's got a thing. It's, it, it's almost like a halo that's around on the left side of his head, the right side of his head, and he's got these rubber band kind of things literally attached to the side of his head that are hooked to it. And that whole halo and everything... Is, is moving, uh, you know, with the bumps in the road and that kind of stuff. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I like the idea of that. Just don't crank it up too high. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to simulate G-forces. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I can handle that while I'm trying to. I, mean, I don't know when, if I can When do I race, I have my head strapped to my arms. So my head doesn't fall over. So, that, yeah, that's okay. Well, you know, when Carl Gosling, that video we talked about just a while ago, uh, talking about all the the motion systems, he said there's a point where all of that motion does interfere with your ability to race. It's too much, and I'm wondering if this is too much. Like your focus gets taken off of the driving, and you're just hanging on, type of thing. Yeah, it's like a point of diminishing return. Yeah, this is probably too much. I mean, when you look at when he takes the camera down low and you see under the seat. There's, there's, you know, motion moving the seat around too, like triple actuators down there. Well, actually, not even triple, maybe six of them, I think, I see. And yeah. they're moving the whole chassis about, and then he's got a separate thing moving his, the thing on his head, and uh, he's got seat belt tensioners. It, it's like everything you could possibly have. I don't see traction loss, but. 
I think I'd rather have the traction loss and have my head stay still and my eyes be able to focus where I'm going rather than my head bouncing around. And his 80-20 rig is like up three feet, four feet up off the ground to make room for all the motion actuators below it. I wonder if their their neck is sore after this as well. Like it's an actual workout for the neck where you might actually have to build up some neck muscles for it. Well, it looks pretty subtle, Greg. They're not moving his head around a lot. It's just moving it one inch this way or that way. Yeah, but I, I would think that... Anytime you do that, your head, your your natural body's going to resist it, right? Right. Have you ever seen uh, training videos for drivers where they actually do neck workouts? The F one guys are mm-hmm. ridiculous. What they do. Uh, I've been told to like lay in my bed at night, with my helmet on my head, off the side of my bed, but I don't do that. <laughs> well, I can tell you, years ago when I raced at Langley, we did not have to wear the Hans device that year. It was a year before they made a mandatory. And we're running two races down there. I had more neck pain than I had ever had just because of the amount of G-force that's on your head. And and that's a small track. I mean, just think, you know, uh, Brad, you've done it. You've, you've been real world. And uh, I'm telling you, I, I know motorsports is not traditional sports, but it takes a toll on your body. Yeah, I mean, the seat I had did not have a, you know, there was no support for anything for the head or anything. So it was just you keeping your head up and I mean, just it hurt. All right. I know we are either VR or triple fans, but we do have a monitor to present. Uh, so tell us a little bit about this one, Brian. Yeah, we did talk a little bit about this uh, last week, I think. Uh, it's from Track Racer. They're they're um, making available their own 49-inch, 144-hertz uh, ultra-wide gaming monitor. Uh, I think it's running around $900, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we talked about it, that they're probably just getting it from another company and, and putting their, their stuff on it. But, but it's still, um, you know, for, for one of those super ultra wides, it's a fairly decent price compared to some of the others like Samsung and stuff like that. That's a super ultra wide, which is like two ultra wides put together, basically a side by side. It's like one of those, but I looked yeah. at the specs um, and compared it to other name brands of the same size and style and the pricing is right there where it should be it's not they're not overcharging for something like this so uh you know if this is the type of monitor you wanted i don't see any reason and you're buying a track racer you know i don't see any reason not to buy this from them i don't think this is the right monitor to do i racing on though i don't think it's the right monitor to do sim racing on ultra rods just you don't get enough vertical uh fov yeah, you you kind of get that letterbox feeling, you know, where you just you just don't get enough vertical. Um, so yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I mean, it's not terrible, but that's not idea. I would say for sim racing. Remember Jordy LaForge? He's looking through the visor. Yep. You know, that's hair braid. That you got. Now that would definitely be a hack because you could see your tire temps if you were Jordy LaForge. Just imagine, because you can literally see that the infrared on them and and tell what the car is doing based on the on the heat. 
So he looks down into the footwell, like towards the tire, and you can like see it through or the fiberglass. Well, if he's not the driver, he's the crew chief, or just just observing. He could look at the tire and see if it's wearing the inside more than the outside, or if it's the right tire that's getting too hot. You know, now I mean, sports cars get get uh, get live temperature sensors on them anyway. It's the cup cars that you're not allowed to have have the sensors on them. All right, we got time for a couple more. The NVIDIA 4080 Super is out there, guys. Um, that's quite, it's a brand new card just released at the end of January. Uh, I mentioned it last week. There's also the 4070 Ti Super, which is a little bit more affordable. And uh, that's probably the sweet spot. I think if I was buying a, a computer right now, I'd probably do the 4070 Ti Super. And then the other one that's on here that is NVIDIA related is we have an Instagram video of NVIDIA founder, CEO, Jensen Huang, revealing the largest graphic card ever. And, and the thing that threw me off about this video is why is he taking it out of his kitchen oven? I, I, I mean, he's in a kitchen, he opens up the oven and he pulls out this behemoth uh, device, you know, I'm just wondering, okay, why is it there though? But it's literally the largest graphics card ever. Cause he's cooking up something good. He can barely lift the thing. It looks like it's 60, 70 pounds. So do they, they make a tower big enough for that? Is that one of the ones you put Wait. on the, uh, the wall? The oven is the tower perhaps. He calls it the A100, capable of performing over one quadrillion floating point operations per second. So he's planning on doing a lot of Bitcoin. <laughs> and he could unlock the blocking on that, right? Because they're programming in blockages so that the, the, that it can't be just, video cards can't be just used for mining anymore. But he could just turn around and unlock that. All right, let's jump to results and talk the winter series. Do we have to? All right, John, P15. It's pretty easy. We were all in one of the wrecks together. Yeah, got a P15. I mean, most people would say not a great finish, but I'm pretty happy with it because this league has a lot of talent. You know, I'm a rookie guy. got a low I rating compared to other people. So, heck, I figure if I can finish P20, I'm doing pretty good. But... P15's fine. I stayed out of trouble, took care of the tires. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little surprised uh, at that track because we had, what, three, four cautions? And that's the only reason I finished P15 because uh, of attrition. Yeah, we did have attrition. Uh, Brad, P10. Yep, I started the... Uh the melee, I guess. I got turned pretty early. Um, and I'm going to lap down. I uh, was able to get caught, you know, to catch a lucky dog. I uh, worked my way back up to ninth, and then got caught up in another accident. Uh, ended up with a little bit of damage there. Uh, managed to drive back to a top 10. So I had a quick car, um, just a difficult track to pass on. Um, you know, you, you, you want to take the low line, but you need to come all the way up off the corner up to the wall to get past anybody. A lot of slide jobs. So um, I think I said last night, it's just a, it's a shame that we can't run there anymore in real life because California is just a just a, such a great track and makes for so much fun. It's one. It's the, probably the best groove 
multi-groove track on the sim. You know, that's what I was feeling a little nostalgia last night. Like, I can't believe that this is gone, that they've bulldozed it. I mean, what a horrible decision. I mean, I just don't understand that decision. Anyway, my race was a DNF. I got wrecked out. I was actually running really good. I started dead last. I was way in the back with John. But uh, John, I left you in the dust pretty quick. I was making my way forward. I actually got up to ninth uh, at, at some point. I was moving forward. I got to the outside of Jason Maines, who uh, hadn't been in the league for quite some time. Uh, he, he's run with us in previous years, and he kind of showed up as a guest appearance, I guess. He's a great driver. He's actually Garrett Maine's dad. Um, anyway, I got to the outside of him and was trying to roll out there and that made it three wide and the guy on the inside, I guess didn't realize it and he moved up and uh, hit uh, Jason and that wrecked the entire field, uh, the three of us and everybody behind us. Greg, DNF. Yeah, I uh, was following, I think David was, oh no, David was just behind us. I was following Bobby. Like, I think you were just a little bit ahead of us and part of this whole wreck and uh, I think it took out four of the six of us in the, that were in the race from iRacers Lounge. And I, I don't think I've had both front wheels broken so bad where they were touching the firewall on this car. So it was pretty bad. I tried to run it for a couple laps. It wasn't, there was nothing I could do. It was so slow. Uh, I know David was in the accident too. And I don't know how long he survived after. I finished P18. Just, uh, I had no speed. I uh, couldn't keep up with anybody. Uh, it was about six minutes of optional damage for me, uh, you know, and I, at one point the caution, the later cautions fell where I was going to snag a 15th and then they, it came out again and let a couple of the wave around guys get back in front of me. And, uh, you know, just, it was unavoidable when I, I, I don't, I never went back and looked at who I hit, but I, I nailed somebody, you know, just nowhere to go. And Jason Mains. The car was sideways, and yeah, it was a pretty pretty hard hit. I think it was Jason that you hit, because then you rocketed into the side of me after that. Yeah, it was just it's that you know it, you can't get get away here, you know, and so it's it's almost pack racing except with a little bit of tire management, and you as the tires where you can you can start to actually separate a little, but you know. It, it stinks because I had a nice cushion on the point position that I had and it, it's gone now and, and I'd finished the race out but it, it just wouldn't go it, that track with 200 or more horsepower where you'd actually have to break a little bit into the corner more would be so much better even better not saying that the track's bad at all but you could maybe get more separation if you had breaking into the corner used to yeah, we were just kind of getting off the throttle, getting in the corner down to, you know, 100% down to 50%, really. I wasn't really off the throttle. Uh, I mean, I was I, off. Yeah. And then what, use the brake just to kind of set the nose, but you're yeah. not really braking. No, just a, just a tap of the brake to set the nose. All right, let's talk Justin Pearson. I'm proud of this guy. 
NIS Winter Series update at Talladega. Fixed series, I managed to get a P6 and a P12. In the open series, I ended up getting a P14 and a P1. Another win for Team Tifosi. Came down to the last lap. The guy in P2 cleared on turn three, but he didn't lift and it didn't stick. So that allowed me to get the win. So I closed in on the points leader from a 60-point gap to a six-point gap. So I have a chance. And the fixed series point, I'm still leading by 50. This is the last week at Homestead. We will find out if I'm a winner or a loser. Wish me luck. I better win at least one of these championships. LOL. Well done. Heck I mean, yeah. pressure's on and he performs. He gets the win. And he's right in the hunt. So go get it, Justin. Uh, John, P7 in Sunday Open. Yeah, so this was actually the winner series at Talladega. I put it in the wrong spot, but... It was a great race. We had a green-white checker going. I was in P2. Last lap, came out of turn four, took the high side, and just barely scraped the wall. I recovered, tried to go down a lane, and didn't realize the leader was already there. I caused a crash. Um, slid to the finish line. Man, I felt bad about this one because ruined my chances for a win, but the worst thing was I, I took out the leader. It, it was not intentional. It was not stupid. It was just hard racing. I felt bad for the guy that I took out. I should have finished second place. And the guy that won the race was a real turd. That was even worse, man. So, you know, uh, I'm not used to being up at the front. And it was a lot of fun doing it. I got to learn how to handle the pressure. Well, that's the thing. You got to get yourself to the front first. And then you got to... Do, do you have repetition there? Okay, I'm in the position to win. What, what am I gonna do? Oh, I screwed this one up. So now you know what not to do next time, right? And so, and it's in talking about that, I wanna talk briefly about Tom Dryling. He's been running the major series and they've been doing, I think, what, heat racing at Daytona. And uh, he's been doing really good getting like top fives and stuff, but he actually caused a big wreck at the end of one of those uh, uh, kind of went below the yellow and he was asking us was this a valid uh, you know a, a good move and I think we came up with well if you're a NASCAR driver uh, it wasn't a good move but in iRacing you're all good uh, if you go below the line and come back up unsafely it's not that's basically how they uh, iRacing interprets that rule yeah I think on that replay I don't think he hit anybody when he came up though did he no, he got the lead by what he he for he saw them. He thought they were going to get together, so he went below the line. Right, he advanced his position by going below the yellow, which is a rule in NASCAR. But I don't think that's a rule in i racing. It the is. rules, as David said, you can't unsafely rejoin. Yeah, I got protested for that uh, recently. I didn't even mean to come back up. It was accidental but I uh, got protested and it was upheld, so you can't come back up. Especially now with this post-race protests. They can take the wins away and stuff, yeah. All right, other racing I ran, uh, Chris McGuire hosted supercars at Michigan, finished, P finished P6, I was running with John. I slid through my pit stop, I was running second before that. Um, then the 87th at Talladega with John, we got wrecked out more than once <laughs> in that race. Uh, then it was the Cara T Tomorrow car at Talladega, ended up P4 after starting from the back. 
and then Daytona prototypes at Charlotte P6. Then supercars at Michigan P3. I actually almost won that one. And then 87s at Talladega P9. And to John, we were talking about uh, during those races, man, we kind of wish there wasn't a pit stop. It kind of messes up the fun. Well, it really does because when you start out you in these Chris McGuire races, you've got close bumper to bumper, side by side racing. And yeah, the pit stops, it just scatters everybody out. But I will say, you know, those I, I i wish there weren't so many wrecks in those because they're a lot of fun but yeah pit stops do mess it up right and then john you had draft masters yeah i did quite a bit of draft masters this week i'm addicted to the speed i can't help it you know it's it's i know it's not good but i had a p4 a p5 a p8 and a p14 i i've got to the point where i can avoid the wrecks you know the carnage i can get around it which seems to be the key in draft masters and and saving those tires uh picked up some decent ir on those this week and um so you know i, I can't help it i'm going to keep doing draft masters All right you might as well uh, a open donnie spiker auto club Q, uh, qualified seventh p4 car felt good the entire race had a shot to win the race with two to go brad p4 yep so i did today open at uh at cali uh started p10 ended up fourth um really good setup was good on the bottom but everybody was running the high side so again just like the league race you know it really makes it hard to clear somebody off the corner um ended up having to run the high side uh it was it was really fun i mean it's a lot of back and forth i got up to second i think i got the lead maybe once or twice um but and then we ended up you know surprisingly had a had green flag stops about two-thirds uh through the race split the field uh, up a little bit um but ended up finishing p4 uh, had a really good time so so it was a good run and then john p14 be open yeah this kind of my theme for the week you know i was in i don't know i think i was in p4 maybe on a green white checker again up at the front not used to it and uh, brad i think you jumped in and watched this but on the green white checker I overdrove the car in turns two and four. Uh, you know, I caved under pressure again. There was a huge gaggle of cars on those last two laps. I couldn't hold on to it. And, uh, you know, I got to learn to calm down when when you're in the heat of the moment at the end. And I, the overdriving, I just fell back to 14. Yeah, that's an experience thing. You'll get that as you get more experience. I, I think I was like that early on in my iRacing career where I would just melt down when the pressure was on and just blow it every time. But that gets better with age. Yeah, and I think it depends on who you're racing with too. You know, I get a little over aggressive. I did that last night. Um, ended up, you know, probably giving up a spot or two uh, in the, the league series uh, race last night just because I, I really wanted, a you know, a P7. Um, so, it, you take what you can get sometimes, but we all get over aggressive. All right, and then Adam, you ran in the main league, right? Yeah, so I actually run two main leagues. Um, I have a Tuesday series that I run. Um, I'm almost a full race ahead in points in that after 11 races. Um, I think my average starts 15th a week, and my average finish has been second. I finished second again this week. The race is left, and then uh, we have a Wednesday series. They ran a special Daytona race last night, and I texted one of the guys we were racing with, and I said, hey, why don't we do the strategy where we pit early, two or three of us, and 
we just get away from the pack and we did that a couple times and then had a couple couple late race cautions and coming off turn four i was in third and i ended up with the lead at the line so ended up winning nine bucks last night Ooh. <laughs> all right so those are regional leagues right because you're from the state of maine yeah and i really i really like racing the regional guys you don't get these aliens in it it's kind of a more of a level playing field you're just using your brain more than anything rather than just pure all speed all right let's jump to final thoughts david hall uh not really a whole lot uh we guess we'll be getting ready for Bothurst at some point other than that uh ready for the season to get rolling it's uh not that long till daytona 500 i'm actually kind of sort of working on my paint right now yeah loving my paint thank you bobby jonas from sim wraps uh man i'm i'm ready for 2024 as far as the paint goes all right greg hectus final thought uh speaking of your uh car mike you might want to change the uh image you got in the document here it's the old toyota you probably should change it to a new screenshot of the new toyota um, I need uh, I need Bobby to do one of those professional renders, though. So it's like the high quality 8K photo. Well, he'll he'll hear this tomorrow. I'm sure he'll uh, have one sent at some point, right? Um, I was going to, I guess, last I listened to the show from last week. Uh, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about our 24, so I was pretty glad that we all got to race together for the 24. The team did great. Uh, I'm glad we completed with no wreck so um i'm not going to get into mike's misinformation but uh <laughs> i know this is a good this is the uh the, the correction no, i said you speeded and you did I, I did not i had a perfect i had perfect round i uh, just set the record straight <laughs> but uh no it's all good um it, there was so much information flying around that day it's really hard and like david was saying to me last night we do have a document we write things into and uh, I do I just haven't, didn't get a chance to put my stuff into it. Um, anyways, what I wanted to uh, actually uh, talk about, I, I, um, I ordered another uh, keyboard tray for my rig to have a second one on the other sides for, um, now that I'm streaming with two computers, I need to put my other uh, keyboard down so I can use it for the streaming part. So I kind of just have two keyboard trays now that are floating around my rig. Um, so I ordered that from advanced sim, uh, racing again, uh, was, was shipped and delivered to my house within, uh, three days. Um, I can't say enough about that company and the way that they get, uh, their stuff out and, uh, easy quality stuff to put together. Um, I like that they put QR codes on their, uh, their equipment and you just scan it and it does the assembly guide for it and your phone or whatever you want to do it on, or you can go on the site and do it. Um, they don't get for all their stuff, but at least most of the stuff's there. But uh, I was pretty pretty pleased with the uh, addition to my rig. It's kind of made it a little bit tighter, but I do like that. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the season coming up here. Bobby's got a whole bunch of paints on different cars for me. So um, we'll have the uh, Simraps Chevy ready to go for Daytona. And there's a software um, fix for um, having two computers and and not needing two mice and two keyboards. Uh, I used to use a program from Microsoft, actually. It's called Mouse Without Borders. And if you install that on your two computers, 
you can literally use one keyboard and one mouse on two computers at the same time. Um, it's pretty cool. The only problem with that is, is that's focus. Well, it's also four, five monitors. It's got to go through because my other PC is two. It's got to go through three PC, three monitors on my sim rig, and also if I have the keyboard, um, at least the hot keys that I have on the this keyboard, if I'm typing something in iRacing, it doesn't all of a sudden use a hot key from the other computer, the other key keyboard on the other computer. I'm hoping to get a Stream Deck one of these days so that I can have buttons that way and make it easier on my on my rig but i am hi brian hold on but i am successfully able to stream with two computers so i have my sim rig and then i'm streaming with my actual pc here as well with the other one which is really nice all right cool brian mccubbin final thought yeah i'll keep it quick um so just kind of like shaking out all the uh all the cobwebs getting ready for the season, um, dialing in, you know, all the different little, uh, settings and all that stuff since, uh, since I'm kind of starting fresh with the new computer and dialing and getting that all ready. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I did, did take some laps around, uh, uh, in a legends car last night just for fun. And, uh, it was cool. And it, it reminded me so much of when I first started iRacing because that was like the beginner car that spent a lot of time in. Uh, it was like, like, like seeing old friends. It was cool. Great idea. Step back into an old car. Adam Jocelyn, final thought. Uh, just glad to be back and uh, keep chasing championships and winning them. I mean, that's been the goal lately and been having fun. Yeah, get that uh, league championship, and then hopefully Justin Pearson's going to win the NIS winner. One or at least maybe one of them, maybe both of them. Brad Wren, final thought. Uh, just prepping for Daytona, trying to, as like everybody else, uh, get final paint together for 2024 um i've ordered a new wheel uh that is here and waiting for a few other peripherals uh 15 inch cup wheel um so i'm gonna get that all set up hopefully by next week um be ready for uh, nis and uh just excited to be again like i said been going away from the service for for about six seven years uh super excited to do a full season of nis and uh just just can't wait to to get going all right, very good. Uh, John Curley, final thought? Yeah, pretty exciting time with uh, Daytona coming up. Uh, you know, I, it, as uh, Greg pointed out earlier, I'd mentioned before that my I was just in a slump, couldn't get my I rating up. I'd go to 2,000, then down to 1,700, and back and forth. But I got up over 2,100 this week, so I'm excited about it. Looking forward to NIS, and, uh, you know, a lot of great things coming. Yep. And my final thought is uh, Tom Dryling, man, he's doing it right. He, he's running these uh, Daytona races at majors and getting some repetition on how do you win this race? How do you position yourself in the last few laps? Where do I need to be on track? And, um, I, you know, I, I kind of wish I was doing that because that's what you need to do if you're going to win this Daytona 500. You need to be ready for it. I don't feel like I'm ready because I'm not running. I'm trying to preserve my I rating right now. But my experience, I think, will kick in. I'm always in contention at Daytona, so I'm not too worried about it. And um, I'm looking forward to it. We only got a couple weeks left, and uh, I'm just kind of taking advantage of this downtime or this off-season time 
uh, before we kick it into gear because when I kick it into gear, boy, I'm going for a win. Um, I, I was telling some people in my family, I, I'm obsessed with winning this Daytona 500. I really am. So I've won it before and I am going to win it again. So I don't know if this is the year, but we're going to try. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.